This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. I think I'm dying here, man. Welcome to the 3B Video Deep Cut Podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. <laughs> you it's fun. <laughs> It's that time again with your not-so-friendly neighborhood video store clerks, Rotten Roger DeMarco, and... Yeah, your favorite high-tech, low-life evil. And... Remix one up. The head of Wada Wada Huda Huda Not on this podcast, I'm not. Oh, you're not. Uh, here we go, another week and another fantastic movie that we all three agree on and we all three really, really like. Uh, 1994's Brain Scan. Never heard of it. What's the premise? <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know about this film, I'll let Evil give you guys a brief plot synopsis of the film, and then we're going to dive right into uh, the cyberspace nitty-gritty of this bad boy. Alrighty. Brain Scan is a uh, film in which a horror fanatic uh, plays a futuristic video game in the past that is beyond technology we even have. Uh, in this day today, v- it makes VR look like a bitch. <laughs> but what happens when that VR bitch turns into its, oh, I may have committed actual murder. <laughs> murder. Murder. <laughs> That's a pretty fucking spot on synopsis. Um, I feel like there are more eyes on this movie now that Scream Factory picked it up, but... Let's rewind a couple of years, shall we? Pre this Scream Factory release. I think it's I I want to say it's almost it is almost 1 year to the day that this got released and we picked it up. Wow. That what what are the odds on the timing of that? And that was just total uh what do you call that? Synchronicity because we didn't yeah, we didn't do that on purpose Dumb by luck. any means. Yeah. <laughs> uh I love when that works out in our favor. Um, but you know, if you yes. rewind, rewind a couple of years and evil and I, we've known each other since 2013. And one of the things that we immediately bonded over, I think it was a very early discussion you and I had where we brought this film up and it, it was one of those things where it almost felt like a fever dream for me that I didn't think anybody else knew it existed. And I think it was similar for you. And so we just immediately were like, we just became <laughs> brothers over this movie. I I had made long since peace that no one had seen or heard or cared or gave any shits uh, about this film when I saw it. I had I could fill most of my film library up with like, yeah, this is the stuff everyone knows and and likes. Here's the rest of the stuff that nobody knows and likes that I still have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just one of those weird things that we both connected on. And when we brought Remix into the fold, I think this was one of the very first movies that I was like, dude, if you if if you think I'm completely full of shit, if you think that 99% of the movies that I recommend are fucking trash, the one thing you got to trust me on is Brain Scan. And uh, so I, I let you borrow it, I think, or maybe you yeah. watched it here with me. I'm not sure. I uh, you remember. let me borrow it along with Return of the Living Dead. Mm. And you did you order both of them immediately after? Of course. Yes. Because so, they're both fucking worth <laughs> it. So this movie made a lasting impression on you being the tech man, I would assume, that 
there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things in this movie that probably bother you or maybe just fucking give you a, a tech man chubby <laughs> i want to be possessed by a random ass cd that i find in the mail someday <laughs> that's the that's the universe i'm hoping to live in that's the end all be all um you hear that columbia house compact disc for you. based paralysis <laughs> holy fuck columbia house reference deep cut yeah dropping that 99 cents for 10 cds <laughs> I'm still waiting on my Chumbawamba. <laughs> I think it got knocked off the shelf. It's never coming up again. Ah. <laughs> it gets knocked down. I don't down. think you could ever keep it down. That's right. You beat me to it, you motherfucker. Um, so, so this is a movie that I feel like all three of us have kind of bonded over. This is a movie that we hold near and dear to our hearts. And when we started this channel, which we talked about in the introduction episode, we talked about how there's so many deep cuts from this film that we use in our channel that are that have kind of seeped their way even into the cartoon that it has yet to be released. Um, what do you what do you think it is, Evil? What do you think it is about this movie that that draws us in so much? You know, I I don't know to a degree. Like it has some of the the standard like things you could go with, like oh well, it's about a horror fan that's isolated alone and is finding a way to you know uh express himself branch out a bit but it's i I think it also just has a weird uh nostalgic charm to it because it's just it's something that we saw that nobody else saw because it was very uh, quietly kind of put out to to video stores and if you weren't out at a video store and happened to come across this damn thing and took a chance on the cover art, you wouldn't have known fuck all about it till Shout Factory came out with the thing. Right. So it was it was something that uh, was good and you knew was good, but nobody else knew about it yet. Are you sure like, it's not that you feel like you can sympathize with Eddie Furlong's character? He has one friend out of the entire school and is his buddy that loves fucking horror movies. Well, there, like... there, there's that for sure. That's a very big uh, proponent for me anyway. But uh, I, I know what you're saying because um, before I – I'm going to let you go here here in a second, Remix. But I, I want to say, um, like you said with the cover art drawing you in, this was a movie that I didn't catch at a video store. This was a movie that I think I accidentally recorded on Stars. And was, you know, oh. kind of scrumming through the tape. Like, the first movie was what I meant to get, and then let's see what else I got. And I got Brain Scan, and it was one of those things where it was, like, hidden deep within this six-hour tape. And, you know, anyone I ever brought it up to didn't know about it. And like you said, there is this kind of connection with, like, when you have something like that, you kind of feel special. You know, you feel like nobody yeah. else in the world knows this. Like this belongs to me. Um, but I knew I knew it was gonna be something special when we I was out with my dad. We were at the store. We rented it. We watched it, and then it didn't happen often. It happened with a handful of movies. But when we rented something that I kind of was like, yeah, let's get that. And he's telling you know like anyone else that ever comes out to hang out or whatever, or like family friends, whatever, they come over and go. Yeah, we watched that. That was a really good movie. When he's praising it to somebody else that I'm not included with in the conversation, that's when I was like, 
I definitely think I got something good here. Right. You're like, I did good. <laughs> I did good. Yeah. Right. I picked good, Dad. I picked good. I didn't mean to uh, interrupt you, Remix, so so carry on, my wayward son. <laughs> I just feel like the character of Kyle and whatever Eddie Furlong's character is, Michael, mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of relationship is super empathetic like people can really get behind it because it's two kids that sure they share a little bit in common with some of the people around them but they feel like the man or the school district is trying to get them down where it's like you can't watch death 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 part two in school part two exactly (laughs) they kind of feel like they have only each other to fucking rely on and i feel like that that was a that was a club that was just waiting to be shut down (laughs) that's (laughs) This shit ain't regulation. They couldn't have been surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um uh yeah, I I totally get that, man. And I uh sidebar within that thought. Uh no joke, no lie. This isn't fabricated. This is 100% a true life story of my my high school years. Um me and my best friend in high school started uh the HMFC, the Horror Movie Fan Club. However, it was just me and my best friend. Occasionally, we had a third buddy who would come over. And what we would do is, on Friday nights, we would either go to the grocery store or the gas station that rented movies. We would all agree on a movie. We would pick it. We would go back to my house with our Gardettos and our Mountain Dew or whatever snack we chose (laughs) for the evening. Nothing says hardcore horror fans like you got your bag of Gardettos. Hey, man, we're like, you know, 15, maybe, you know, we thought we were rad. And um, so we would all three bust out individual notebooks and we'd watch said movie and we would all try and each of us would write trivia questions. And then at the end of the movie, we would quiz each other. It had no merit. Most of the time we ended up, all of us, you know, coming up with at least one of the same trivia questions. But we thought we were legit. We were like, we are analyzing these movies. We are learning about these movies, you know, from the perspective of a 15-year-old kid. But, like, uh, so I totally sympathize with that horror movie fan club. I actually still have a, a high school yearbook, um, which is is cool to look back on, but it also kind of hurts my feelings. Uh, it was because I really am the character of Michael Brower. Um, you open it up to the autograph section, and my one buddy was the only signature in this yearbook. And it says, you know, to Roger, stay stay rad, HMFC for life. Nobody else signed my yearbook. Not a soul. Get that it, shit tattooed on your calf. Right. It's it's one of those things. It was like. Back of the neck. It, it's it's just always been who I am, so I I totally vibe with his character, and you know I mean I see a lot of that in us. I see a lot of us in in the Michael and uh, why am I blanking and Kyle? You know that's really us. We're about all we have to rely on ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> I think you should get that. Uh... Those initials tattooed like across your stomach, like straight up across your stomach. <laughs> HMFC forever. Yeah, HMFC forever. Yeah, for, yeah. I'll just carve it into my chest and then spit an ink the pen, pen on it. Oof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> should have allowed. There you go. Uh, what is it? Fucking. Uh, should have allowed nature to take its course, Mister Walker. But in the end, it will anyway. Let me the fucking house. 
fear reference. Two of them, deep cuts. <laughs> and my other side note is I like that we're we're recording this right now, but we're keeping the kayfabe even though no one's watching us but the kayfabe that we that i can't see remix remix is still an off-camera entity <laughs> like i still cannot see him even when we're not video recording anything remix dial 555 fear <laughs> yes master <laughs> that's another thing sidebar how many of us in 1994 well poor remix was uh you know floating not, around in his dad's yeah. balls in 1994 give it a year but uh, yeah, you're a twink. He was a twinkle in his father's eye. Yeah, you were percolating. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, an itch in your daddy's pants. <laughs> how many of us just wanted that set up? You know, one of those big speakers wanted to be able to tell your phone to call your buddy. Um, just I never had the the desire to have the phone thing, but I did want the like uh water bubbly thing that changed colors that he had in his room. I thought that was kind of rad. It is super cool. It's kind of funny to look at that TV and be like, wow, that TV is fucking old <laughs> shit now. Like, that is not a great TV now. It was cool then, but it's like, so goddamn small. Mm -hmm. I want everything in his fucking bedroom. Yeah, he's got some cool stuff. Uh, also, sidebar about... I figured Remix. I figured Remix would want like to set up like in a grandma's ball. He would want that reclining chair that's got the three monitors over his head and just techno music playing the whole time. He's not far off from that right now in his own home. <laughs> I've got three monitors curved all the way around my face on a giant fucking arm. And then I've got a 21-inch drawing tablet yeah, yeah, in the middle the of antique. it. So I've got... Four monitors, and I've got a giant 40-something-inch TV that sits off to the side, which I can also hook up if I wanted a fifth monitor. I honestly am surprised you have not bought that, like, uh, IKEA furniture setup where it's, like, the ultimate neckbeard nest thing where it's, like, it's the bed, but it's also got, like, the bench on the side of it to put drinks and shit <laughs> and the TV set up at the end of it. Like, the entire thing is meant for you to have everything around you and you never have to get up i'll just live in a steel work shed with that and a sink well he does have a tent over his yeah. bed it's the tech tent it's I a suppose. moon pod <laughs> the moon pod is that what you call it i believe it? that's what it is oh my god uh you know when you get when you work night shift you got to find any way to cut out the light right anything you can do. i don't i can sleep any time i've never had like i don't give a fuck how bright it is like just close my eyes everything's dark <laughs> Everything's dark when you close your eyes, Remix. <laughs> there's a there's something deep in there. Robots I don't, don't have eyelids. I don't know what it is, but there's something deep in there. <laughs> um, okay, so just treat him like a bird, and you throw a blanket over him immediately. Right, thinks it's time to go to bed. <laughs> He's definitely rebooting. Um, <laughs> privacy pod. Is that what it's called? A privacy pod? Yeah, Moon Pod is one of those big ass bean bags. I refer to my testicles as the privacy pod. <laughs> um. So another sidebar about his bedroom, which this is just something that happens in cinema all the time. And I always question it. That's one of the things that we do here when we discuss films is we kind of put a little bit of uh, reality into these movies uh, just just for, for our fun. own amusement. Yeah, for our own amusement. Yeah. Now, I'm going to pose this question to both of my esteemed co-hosts. At what point does photographing your underage nude neighbor stop being like adorable and start being a felony. I don't <laughs> cause they both do it 
when the love at the end is not reciprocated. Right. If it's unrequited, then it kind of gets a bit creepy. It's it. I would say I would say the moment you're able to start growing a mustache <laughs> is when it's like okay, you need to you need to reassess some things. He's got like one more year of like it being cute. Because uh, it's definitely creepy, you know. Uh, it's just one of those things, like with Revenge of the Nerds. It's only, it's only creepy when you look at it as an adult. Mm. When we were of age, we're like, yeah, right. But still, I identify with that. But I mean, yeah, that's that's why stuff like Revenge of the Nerds and and all of this stuff, like, it just it couldn't be made today because it's so offensive. It crosses so many lines, right? But um. We're too woke now. Right, yeah. <laughs> Stay woke, son. But, uh, you know, it starts out with it's his obsession. Right off the bat, when we're when we're introduced to him, that's what he's doing. He's spying on her. But somehow, someway, we empathize with him. And it's not until the end of the film, when you, spoiler alert for anyone who doesn't know about this film, that you find out that uh, the girl was also doing the same thing. And... Which... Which that is alluded to in his dream of the, you know, the the hypnosis that he's under. So do you think that's why he continues to do it? It's because uh, in his subconscious, he knows that she's doing it back to him. And it's like an unspoken thing between the two of them. Because otherwise that makes no sense how it's like it's in his hypnosis that she's watching him. And then it ends up being that exact thing in real life. Well, I want to. I want to address that ending altogether. Like this is a movie that I love to the core, but every time I watch it, I I get a little perturbed with that ending because I feel like, you know, that's a straight slaughter high thing. That's a, that's a straight up mulligan on the film. Like, ah, uh, you know, all that shit you just watched didn't really happen. So it's like, do you think all of that stuff happened, but the, that was the final level? Like, the final level was for him to tell off the trickster? Like, to have a battle you know, with the final boss? I don't I don't know, because there's the three things that all make it go, make you go, well, that doesn't really follow logic to make sense if that was all not, if that was all hypnosis, the the fact that she is looking at him and photographing him, the fact that the dog shows up with the severed foot <laughs> and that he sees trickster at the at the end with the principal so it's either all still he's still all doing it it's still all real or he straight up had a total recall and he's lo- going to be lobotomized from w- watching this shit his dad's going to come home from a business trip he's going to be sitting there just drooling in his own shit and piss in that <laughs> reclining chair with a with a fucking cup of two week old sour milk in his hand oof gross um yeah chugging milk is never going to look attractive no matter who does it yeah no i want to see was a bad choice. edward furlong chugging a glass of milk oh, with his hunchback <laughs> his scraggly you know beard. if he's on cameo if he gets on cameo that's the request i'd want to put in like can you just <laughs> just violently drink a glass of milk <laughs> like you're having a fucking seizure <laughs> um okay so tell me to ju- Tell me to enjoy these fucking relaxation techniques. So here's another question that I pose to the pair of you. Um, why Why do you think this is? He gets the disc. He plays the first level, which is the uh, murder by design, right? He murders the guy in the town. 
he remembers it. He remembers it all vividly to the point that he can tell Kyle about it. He knows all the details. Um, He was there because he did commit the act. When it's time to play the second disc, he films himself and then he just wakes up in the chair and has zero recollection of what he did until he finds Kyle's necklace in the freezer. Why is that? Do you think that's just, was the choice of the, like, last minute type of deal? Like a choice of the director? Let's not show him murder Kyle? Or it could just be him trying not to remember it. (laughs) Yeah, him trying to force it out. Or, yeah, I would initially say it's, oh, that's cut for runtime and to make him sympathetic. Because if you're watching him murder his friend next, it's tougher to keep sympathy on his side when he keeps killing people. Right. Uh, but that's that's one of those things, man, because I feel like they do that at the end. He plays the third disc, and he has to struggle with he doesn't want to kill Kimberly. And then he fights the trickster, right? So wouldn't it have been just as effective, or, or is it because she's the love interest? Like, wouldn't it have been just as effective to show him going to Kyle's and Kyle trying to reason with him and him, you know, kind of showing that possessed state and him killing Kyle. Like idle hands. Yeah. Dude, idle hands like is another <laughs> get that movie gets a bum rap too. It's rad as fuck. Also just got a shout factor release, but has that exact scene of like, I don't want to kill you. So don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. Look at me. I'm Leatherface. <laughs> that's the whole, that's the whole scene you'd want to see is him getting ready trying to kill Kyle. And Kyle's like, don't kill me, man. Right. Like, I just, I just don't do it. Like, I can't. It's part of, it's the rules. Right? Like, I don't know, man. I'm curious as to, like, how different the movie would be with that scene. But I do kind of, I kind of agree with you saying, like, he needs to stay sympathetic. Even he doesn't know what he did last summer. <laughs> no, I think that they just kind of skip over it. And he's so in disbelief that he has to, like reassure himself that it did happen even if it was something bad Mm. i think they just skip over it and he's like that did not really truly happen gotcha i'll i'll pose the question back to you that's a weird side bit from that is uh let's say you're you two have been given the game to play you gotta kill us like roger's gotta kill me and remix remix has gotta kill me and raj what's your trophies (laughs) <laughs> if I'm killing you, I'm taking your glasses. <laughs> That's like your trademark. Uh, shit, I don't know about Remix because no one knows what he looks like, so I can't say. Uh, I'd probably take his bomb, again, glasses. I'd take his bomb-ass sunglasses that have speakers built into them. <laughs> My They Live glasses? Yes. I do really want those, and man, <laughs> I really wish I had better eyesight. I could actually utilize those. <laughs> those would be handy as fuck for me. I'm taking all your copies of Batman 89, and I'm taking all your copies of Pump Up the Volume. Those are my trophies. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I'll just find more. <laughs> um, side Super, super sidebar. The guy that directed this movie, his name is John Flynn, and I, I looked up some of the stuff that he did. Dude, blew my mind. He directed Lock Up with Sly Stallone, and he directed <laughs> uh, Out for Justice with Steven Seagal. So, primarily an action guy. Yeah, I lump Out for Justice right up the same with the other two, like Above the Law and uh, Hard to Kill. Like all three of those are 
very interchangeable three three word title films. Right. Hard to Kill is the one that I I like, and I always forget that I like it. That's the one where he gets put in the coma, right? I, I hope you're not asking me because I cannot distinguish any of them. So I, can <laughs> I put it in. I put it in the form of a question, right? But uh, as, yeah, it doesn't matter. As, as far as I know, it's it's it, it's its own trilogy, and it's just a continuing story, and they're interchangeable. Which one's first, second? Or <laughs> oh man! Congratulations to Steven Seagal for being the only guy that could do that. Like I can distinguish anybody else's set of movies, but it's super strange that he always wears the same shit, looks the exact same, and all the time, and has three movies all back to back to back that are three word titles like that. Nah, Young Eddie Furlong. This is the sequel to Terminator Two, right? <laughs> right. Uh, so, so I have another question about the the actual brain scan game. Okay, uh, so early on when we learn about the brain scan game, which is probably within the first two, three minutes of the movie when Kyle's pitching it to him, you know, Kyle is telling him there's all these different things that happen in the game. And so it's when hypnotic. <laughs> so when Edward Furlong calls the number um, and then the trickster, or I don't know, I don't, not the trickster, trickster tells him um, it's already been decided you will play death by design. That's the title that he gets given. So if death by design is you breaking into a sleeping person's house and murdering them, what, what other, like, because it's, he says that the game bends to like your personality. So Mike, Mike, sorry, go ahead. That whole scene is what I think what lends to him being like, Oh, he's definitely had a seizure because he has some kind of epileptic seizure while he's on the phone. (laughs) <laughs> with the brain scan people. He's not got anything yet. Nor did he give them address information. They just sent it to his house because they know who the hell he is somehow. So I think this is all he just mentally broke on this fucking phone call. Upset that there's a party going on next door that he couldn't go to and just fucking snapped. They played some Lords of Salem over the fucking phone and right. killed him. <laughs> yeah, insert Lords of Salem music. Um. <laughs> and then just still shot of eddie furlong slowly being zoomed in on in the chair just dead (laughs) that's how it ends but so so that is my question if this was a legitimate game and and he received death by design what other types of fucking murder could there like you know what i mean like sandbox well because he uh kyle says there's like death uh you know chainsaw dismemberment something something but I mean, if it's death by design, it's still it's just up to you. You know, he picked he chose a knife. He could have chose chosen any weapon. So depends where you seem... get dropped. I guess you could you could get dropped on an island. You got to forge a weapon out of like a fucking uh, coconut or something. Or <laughs> you dropped into a farmhouse. You know, you grab the pitchfork or the you know the machete, something like that. You know, this where you. The environment you happen to go to or are in depends where you, you could just be. You could end up on a on a on a fucking boat and you just end up just drowning somebody. <laughs> All of those would be super boring up, compared to just yeah, breaking. You just straight up, you just straight up Natalie Wood somebody and just knock her over the fucking edge of the boat and there, there you go. There's there's your there's the the scenario you're stuck with. There you go. I beat my high score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I I had something. Oh, um <clears throat> I was going to I was going to say, do you guys think that well, for you, you didn't see it when it when you were younger. Obviously, you you've seen it recently. Right. 
But, uh, Evil, do you think that the reason, one of the reasons that we ended up liking this movie so much was because um, we're big T2 fans? And it, at that point, you know what I mean? Like, Furlong was so sympathetic and um, you just love him in T2. So, seeing him in something else and seeing him in a horror movie, um, he's not much older, I, you know? No, this is right off the success of that movie. Uh, is his next get next go is this. I don't think it hurts, but I, I totally for at least us at a young age, uh, want to put all the eggs in the basket of we just really fucking thought Trickster was cool. He is super cool, super fucking punk, dude. Yeah. Now here, here's the other thing. Uh, Trickster is the villain, obviously, but do you guys kind of feel like he has? like Michael's best interest at heart, or is he literally just tricking him constantly? He's a bad I say dude. He's a puppet master. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, when I rewatched it earlier today, I did kind of, I kind of got a little bit of a sympathetic vibe from him, but also it seems I, like every time, uh, Michael is given a choice and he, is leaning towards doing what's right. Trickster kind of swoops in and is like, yeah, but you know what I mean? And, and you has pissed him, him off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a straight up puppet master uh, scenario until you get all the way to the end. Then after he realizes that trickster realizes what the whole setup is. And that's, that's when you absolutely like, if you had any doubts, you fall in love with trickster at the end when he's a slow clapping, at him handing the game off to the principal. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you know how this goes now. Now we're cool because you know how things are going to roll. So let me get back into character now to start this uh, terror all over again. Right. Is that kind of like a Freddy Krueger thing? Like you've given me another soul type of deal? Possibly. I always just took it as like, yeah, that the the game we played was fun. Now you're going to unleash me on somebody that's going to be a lot more fun. Yeah, I felt like it was an <laughs> it follows situation. Right. So so do you think because Michael lives and and everything seems to work out for him. You know, this is one of those Everybody movies that lives. Yeah, this this takes back everything. So so uh the body count disappears, but do you think it would be the same for the principal or do you think I would love to inherit a billion dollars so I could <laughs> go back and write the sequel that is entirely the principal's movie version of the game. I want a sequel I made want to see that today, yes. where we get an all CG Eddie Furlong as a child <laughs> getting killed by an all CGI Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, yeah, we've yeah we've seen that. It looked great. It did look good, really good. Probably the best part in that whole movie. But um, no, I like that part that you mentioned. Him sitting in a a big T eight hundred sitting in a fucking lawn chair, aluminum chair, up. false. Uh, <laughs> so that's where I was going to go next, and you brought it up. Both of you brought it up of of seeing this because it was originally intended to um, lead off into a franchise. That's what they had planned. It was it was like it could have worked, and then and then for whatever reason they didn't do another one. Um, because I think it was that sleeper hit that only people like me and evil saw when we were younger and not a lot of people saw, but do you think, I this... think it's that sleep, it's that sleeper hit, but 
as much as I do want to see the sequel, it's only for like my own personal amusement. I really don't think logistically people would would, would get behind this to be a franchise because after the first movie, you're like, well, nothing is going to be real. So everything there's going to be no consequences at the end of every movie at this unless someone fails. Is. That's true. If they fail, <laughs> game over, man. Game you can over. Learn some new rules. Learn things that weren't even hinted at in the first. So here's the question: DLCs being. <sighs> The fact that it's oh that's brilliant. See here you go. DLC the f- didn't even exist back then. Well, that's what I'm saying. Since <laughs> since well, you want to make the sequel today, right? Since no. it's tw- since it's 2020, if we got a reboot reimagining, do it's you just going to be a work? VR game? It's just going to be fucking head mounted display gets stuck to your face. You pass out. You wake up and you're like, oh, I guess it was all just a dream. And then you look at, at the window and Trickster's standing there fucking your best friend. <laughs> well. But, I mean, movies like Ready Player One Whoa. work. It works. It's good. And with that kind of, I mean, granted, a brain scan reboot wouldn't have the budget of a Ready Player One, nor would it have the Amblin um, label, but um, I would be down to see a remake. It would be like Upgrade. That's the only tech possession movie that I know of. <laughs> yeah. I, I would. I would fear for it because... Uh, practical effects are 50-50 on how well they age. Mm-hmm. Uh, hardly any CG ages well. That is that is absolutely true. Um, and speaking of the practical effects in this movie, the underrated, super wicked, talented Steve Johnson did the effects in this movie. And uh, that trickster design is top-notch. It is... He's the icon that never got to be an icon, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I would love, love, love if he ever came through uh, town for anything to to meet him, tell him how much we love this uh, movie, and get his signature on at least the Blu-ray, an 8x10, and probably uh, inked on my arm so I could tattoo it in. <laughs> yes. Uh, let If, if I may, <clears throat> NECA, if you're listening... We want a trickster figure. <laughs> oh my god! Give it right now. It has to come with that severed foot <laughs> <laughs> and a fucking like a a whole frozen turkey and a yeah, thing yeah of that mustard. whole tray. Yeah, mustard and, and, and tater tots mm-hmm. with an alternate hand with the fingers all broken. Um, I just I love this movie to the core. I think that. It's funny when it wants to be funny. And that's all because of the trickster, too. Like, he has such a Freddy Krueger-esque quality, you know? Because he has a personality. And it's just that little scene, too, where he leaves Trickster upstairs and he just turns on the Three Stooges and just, you know, does that, you know, get comfortable (laughs) in the chair thing, sit and watch it. It's just little little shit like that that endears you to him. But uh, what do you think about the uh the the big name other than Eddie Furlong that's in this movie. How do you feel about Frank Langella, Skeletor himself? Remix, do you have anything you want to say about the police officer in this film? I don't know anything significant about the police officer in this film. You don't know? Mr. Frank Langella, let me tell you. <laughs> hey, that rhymed. Detective Hayden? Yeah. Um Murderer. Here here's the thing about him. He's amazing. But I feel like he's like unjustly um, 
suspicious of Edward Furlong extremely early in the movie. Like, hey, you're riding by? He he probably caused this accident. <laughs> like, hey, you're riding by? You probably killed this guy. Like, how many people you, live in but, that town? But hold up, hold up. Is he wrong? Well, no. <laughs> well, then that just makes him a very good detective. <laughs> I'm a very good policeman, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's a, yeah. Uh, Monster Squad. doesn't make him a hard ass. That makes him good at his fucking job. Uh, Monster Squad reference. Deep cut. <laughs> but that's true. It really does. I just, every time I watch it, I'm like, man, he is all over Edward Furlong. Like, give the kid a minute. <laughs> Which I know he's guilty as fuck, but... Yeah, I think the one time he stretched a bit far was sneaking into the house to steal uh, some some of the ash from the fireplace. Like, well, I don't think legally he could use that in any any case, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's circumstantial yeah, he's not at wrong best. in his assumptions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's he's some... gonna have some trouble finding hard evidence because yeah, the only visual witness that he had or anyone that that they did have ended up either getting killed or having a shit ton of bricks fall on him or shot by militia guys. <laughs> That's true. The neighborhood is covered in blood. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I was going to say one of the things, cause we were, you know, talking about our, um, like our introductions to this film and what makes us like this film so much. I did kind of want to bring up that, uh, I did I did see a lot of myself in the character of Edward Furlong because just like him in the movie, you know, like my dad was not really in the picture when I was um, growing up and my mom worked a lot of ridiculous hours. So it was a lot of like me by myself, um, you know, and movies kind of became the uh, – the extra voice in the house, which is why you and I both do it all the time. It's just background cinema. If you're, if you're home doing whatever, you always have something on the TV. It makes me feel like the house is lived in. It makes me feel like there's activity elsewhere while I'm, you know, was doing my homework or, or, you know, doing the laundry or whatever. So like, I really kind of identify with that. And like, you kind of turn these movies into your friends. So I, I totally get like using that stuff as an escape, your movies, your music, your video games. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's, it's all that. And another aspect about this that makes it, uh, uh, fit our criteria of a popcorn as fuck. Anytime favorite movie is it's got a good soundtrack and a very like uh, memorable score. Like I know you can, hear it in your head as i'm saying it right now but you can hear that opening theme in your head like just thinking of the movie it's just a very it's simple but it's a very very uh hard-hitting excellent score as in it. you don't forget it when you hear it it just it washes over you entirely it's it's super somber too like yeah. It's not a it's not a like a upbeat score which is completely the opposite of the soundtrack cuz the soundtrack is like fast and hard. <laughs> Primus. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and that other song I can't think of the title of that's on the end credits. The 
the one I the other one I had you put on a CD we had to have on on disc was the in credits song that's played and the same one that's played when he comes upstairs and the tricksters eating all the shit in his refrigerator the dig 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 song yeah that's all I needed to know <laughs> I, I yeah I always forget what it's titled even though I've looked it up multiple times but yeah it's it's a very upbeat rock punk uh, soundtrack but the score is just as good and they go together very well. And it's that that's the always the hidden component to a good movie for us is a good, fun, memorable score and soundtrack. Yeah, that definitely helps. Which you um, acquired recently, too. That's you true. Just picked, you just recently found that uh, on uh, CD, didn't you? S- yeah, super, uh, super lucky out in the wild for like <laughs> one or two dollars. I can't remember. And, and then the guy who worked there was like, that's only been here since 2002. Mike, you have a very good memory. <laughs> I'm very that impressed. That is something. That is something I would have probably hit you in the nuts to beat you to the counter to get that damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> like it might have been it more. It might have been straight up impulsive. Like I might. Like I wouldn't ever want to ever just straight up like cheap shot you like that. But to see that and know someone else is interested in it, it may just be instinctual to be and beat you to the counter to grab it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll do my best to find you uh, another copy because. That place where I found it, I'm sure, I'm like 99% sure that there's another one in that pile of things. I don't know how the fuck. You better buy a goddamn lottery ticket the exact same day, because <laughs> I don't know how the fuck you find any store that has two copies of the Brain Scan soundtrack. <laughs> in 2020, no less. Any fucking year. You could have went to the year of release, and I wouldn't have believed it. It's been almost 30 years since this movie came out. That's crazy. <laughs> um, and and speaking Ooh. of 30 years, and since this came out in 1994, I know we we touched on the tech briefly, but um, you wouldn't happen to know what a widescreen TV went for in that. Like, that's not something you see often. Like, like Evil brought it up. Evil said, you know, when we were younger, that TV was boss. Uh, and you look at it now, it's got these big speakers on the side, but it's in a letterbox format, um, which is rad because that's how all of our TVs are now. But, um, so that's all tech that's like, get pro- I would assume that's all tech that's given to him from his dad who just acquires this shit while he's on the road. Right. Yeah. Cause his dad obviously makes a ton of money, but my thing is evil. You and I are the same age in 1994. To the best of your memory, did you ever see a TV that looked like that in any store? I I have never. Like, I understand that there probably were, because, you know, in 1994, what, Laserdisc was a thing? So I would imagine that a widescreen TV started to be a thing so people could watch their Laserdiscs on a a widescreen tube TV, which sounds fucking (laughs) super weird. Uh, the, I, I mean, it's literally, you're coming off maybe a year at most of like the highest end tech that we encountered at my house was having the picture in picture option. Like that was holy shit. Right. We Two channels at once. While something else is on in a much smaller screen. Like that's the extent of the tech that I was aware of. See, And that was on a big, big, like 
Yokozuna sized television set, like a big screen that required no less than four people to move it anywhere. Right. Yeah. Like a rear projection, 55 inch TV. Yeah. Big old four feet thick. (laughs) Yeah. Them motherfuckers. And then if you thumped it too hard, you, you knocked the, the red, blue or green, uh, lights inside wonky. And then the, the picture just looked like shit. Um, yeah, because that's what I was going to say, man. When I was growing up, and I, I never even had picture-in-picture picture on my TVs. I, I can remember the you know the split between my buddies because we had Raw fans and we had Nitro fans that, that hung out with me on Monday nights. So I had two TVs in my room. And, and so we would be like, boom, boom. And one was like a piece of shit, little you know, broken half working TV and we'd throw the WCW on there. And then the other TV would have WWF on. And like, I thought I was the shit. Cause I was like, man, I got two, like whatever, 17 inch <laughs> piece of crap. TVs. You're, the, you're, you're the epitome of a wrestling mark in the late nineties is the ultimate dream is to have both shows on at the same time. Oh dude, that was my, that was my life for like two years. Every single Monday. Um, but I, I just, I was always fascinated with the tech in this movie. Um, and I know that I've told this story before, but, um, I can remember for my birthday, getting a PlayStation, the the PlayStation one. And I know that I've told you this story because we, we, uh, bought a whole bunch of stuff at this local Kmart and I got my PlayStation and my copy of resident evil and this particular kmart they had people who would like bring out your your cart and load your stuff in your car for you and this young guy who was putting all our stuff in the car was like playstation huh i'm like yeah my birthday pretty cool and he's like video games on disc it's pretty wild and he's like within a year you'll be able to have movies on discs and i remember being a kid and being like that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard there will never be movies on discs that can never work they would get all scratched and now here we are right right now your movies don't even come with discs right they just come with a fucking piece of paper with a like a 16 digit code (laughs) you could buy a piece of cardboard with a code on it tvs in 1997 ranged from three thousand to twenty two thousand dollars a widescreen tv flat uh four by three up to 16 by nine so a regular fucking four by three format tv was upwards of two to three thousand dollars and a fucking widescreen tv was twenty two to fifteen thousand dollars wow that's 1997 yeah that's wild i know that we uh no bullshit with our entertainment (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I know that when I was when I was in high school um right before well, I guess it would be quite a while before there was actual flat screen TVs. There were flat monitored TVs, but there weren't it wasn't like a flat thin flat screen like what we know today. And Yeah, for, like just the screen was flat. Yeah, but they were still big old tube TV bastards. Um Oh yeah, I I I won one. I got from a my, from my job at one point, and yeah, flat screen, but yeah, it was still at least like 120 pounds. Yeah, it was a beast. That's what I was gonna say. I got a 36 inch Sony Trinitron for Christmas, and it had to have been 2002 or 2003. And I know 
that that TV, a 36 inch TV, I know it was over a thousand dollars. Cause my, I remember my mom, we went to Best Buy and my mom was like, you are not getting anything else for your birthday and probably not for Christmas. Like this is, this is a big deal, you know? Um, it was one of those, that's a classic, that's a classic line there. Like this is going to count for your birthday and Christmas motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Right. A six month span. You ain't getting shit else. (laughs) My birthday and Christmas are, they're the same. Are they the same? Yeah. I was always fucked out on both. You got, you got robbed. Lucky for Evil and I, our birthdays are in June. So we got like a six month buffer. (laughs) So people's wallets can fill back up. I got like a five day buffer, <laughs> five day Bruce buffer. Um, I blew out my voice the other day doing that fucking Bruce buffer impression at work. It was <laughs> stupid. Recorded a podcast like four hours later. <laughs> um, so where what are we at on time remix? So we can cut. We'll cut that out. But uh, fifty. Fifty. Like That's 10 good. Minutes. Okay, so fifty. Ooh, I'm good. Perfect. So, uh. So now that we've kind of covered all of our bases with this movie, uh, really quick with our final thoughts on Brain Scan, I do want to go ahead and offer my rating, which is this movie is 100% popcorn as fuck. If you follow the channel, you know that that's how we tend to rate films. We don't give them a um, one through five anymore or anything like that. It just, if it falls in our wheelhouse, it's popcorn as fuck. Um, and yeah, my, my final thoughts on it are, this is a movie that I feel like every horror geek needs to see. Um, every kind of tech geek needs to see. It's just, it's a very fun forgotten movie that I couldn't be more happy that, uh, Scream Factory picked up brain scan. So at least they can find a wider audience. I'm a little jaded. I mean, I'm happy about it, but I'm a little jaded because it used to just be our thing. Now it can be the world's thing and we can all be buddies forever. But uh, yeah, I love it. So Evil, what are your final thoughts on Brain Scan? Uh, Fucking the exact same. There's a reason that the channel is pretty much uh, or the live streams were named after it. I have that uh, tattooed on the side of my neck that uh, is in your handwriting. So uh, if that doesn't speak volumes, I don't know what the hell would. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's uh the deepest of deep cuts what about you mr remix i feel like they didn't really explore the uh car accident situation a whole lot in that movie i feel like it was a dead end situation whatever just, whatever came of that it's just to let you know he's got a limp and his mommy is gone that's that's weird because they kind of open the movie with that and they go back to it like once or twice but mm-hmm. why does he need a limp so he can, so his uh, footprint can be easily identified. Mm. It's a character, it's a character trait, this my friend. Character development. Um. Yeah. So, that's your final thoughts. Is yes. you're, you're mad about that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um. So now that we've got that out of the way, we're gonna take a look at what are we doing, Evil? Well, we gushed about a movie for almost an hour, so I grabbed a small handful of some infamous. One-star reviews of people who didn't give two shits about this movie. Hated it! First up, we have Autumn 5. On December 28, 2013, one star. I'll do this in character because I feel it it warrants it. (laughs) 
this movie won't play for me. I wish I'd known it was regional. I wanted to give it to my sister, Brainscan, for Christmas. Now I can't. <laughs> I want to give it to my sister, Brainscan, for Christmas. <laughs> uh, if you want to give it to your sister, that's a whole different section on Pornhub. <laughs> Get brain for Christmas. <laughs> Next up, we have uh, Amazon customer, so we'll just name them Arnold. Right. Arnold says, one star on September 4th, 2003, by the way. One star. Brain dead in the head. But the technology is cool, so I'd give it one and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a remix review right there. Although, you like this movie. You don't have... I mean, you're nitpicking the beginning of it. Yeah. You like this I movie. I like this movie. It's good. One and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Get out of, get out of my stars. dojo. All right. Next up, we have another Amazon customer, so we'll just name them Ted <laughs> on... October 1st, 2000. 20 years ago, baby. 20 years ago, Ted says, Garbage, please, for me. Do not watch this film. <laughs> I just wasted an hour and a half of my life that could have been spent cleaning my navel. <laughs> what? what the fuck? Maybe, if you are under the age of 14, you might enjoy the triteness of this waste of celluloid. I am definitely dumber now after watching this. Before you go into your next one, sidebar of a sidebar of a sidebar, I fucking despise the word trite. I hate it. So What about detritus? <laughs> so I want to punch that dude in his nose. Trope. They were talking about I cleaning like their that. navel. I, like the... I don't think it was a dude. <laughs> I can clean my navel out. <laughs> but do you? I have cleaned navels. Not navel. as often as I should. <laughs> That's just an awesome line, though. I just thought that was great. I, to, but I thought the navel line was good, but then I was like, the triteness of this waste of celluloid. Mm -hmm. like, Ooh. That <laughs> definitely he finished writing that and went, yeah. Slapped his hands good, together, man. wiped them clean. Yeah, I am clever. Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, from Bruce Donahoe on October 5th, 2016, one star. Always a classic. Always had to put these in. <laughs> Don't know why this is here. I didn't buy it. <laughs> you know why it's there? Because the trickster decided he was playing death by design. Bitch. <laughs> um, yeah. Pretty sure that that was... Uh... That that was Michael that 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 wrote that review. <laughs> All right. So now that we're done with the Amazon one star reviews, we're gonna close out our podcast with our other favorite segment. So what does that mean? Does that mean it's time to play the game? It's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. It's all about the game. How you play it? It's all about the truth. You take it. All you want to do, I don't know. Maintain it. I want to take it. The prop game, ladies and gentlemen. Evil, give them a rundown at home of how to play the prop game along with us. All right, real quick. The prop game is something we do to kill time around around 3B video. It's 
We give out a, a name of a movie, and you pick out a prop that you think would be a cool item to take home as a piece of memorabilia, but try to make it not so obvious. So if I were to say Back to the Future, don't be a prick and say the DeLorean. Say something else. Say something cool. Like, so, Yeah, like the life preserver that Michael J. Fox wears. <laughs> so today's movie is Brain Scan. What do you take from Brain Scan? I remix. thought, oh, oh, Remix, all right. I'm taking that Primus CD. Remix. I'll never leave home without it. <laughs> nice. Uh, my prop, I thought long and hard about this, to be honest with you, because I was like, there's so many things in this movie that, that uh, I could bring home. But I settled on Kyle's necklace, because I feel like that's another thing that ties into Buddies Forever. It could hang in the back. In your back room, it could hang in the front of the store, and it would be that super rad deep cut that only a handful of people would see and go, fucking brain scan. (laughs) And I will take Trickster's a uh, maroon velvet jacket. (laughs) That crushed velvets. (laughs) Put that on a rotating torso case and just spin it. (laughs) But when you push push a button and you... Yeah, you push the button and it rotates one time. You You beat me to it. I was going to say, you push the button, the light shines on it, and it plays fucking Primus. You motherfucker. Yep. Uh, That's excellent. So, everybody at home, that's how you play the prop game, and that was Brain Scan. I suppose we'll see you motherfuckers in two weeks. Roger, don't you have anything good? Michael. Don't you have anything good? Never leave home without it. From the top of the charts to a space in your heart. Ah!